sorry. Except Jesus! I'm so sorry. Are we on? <laughs> what do you mean we? You mean me? <laughs> Am I on? I'm trying so hard right now to keep it together. You have to get me home by six. There's a new episode of Full House on tonight. We're going to have so much fun right now. I know it. What do you mean? It's canceled. I had trouble talking to my friends. About Jesus! <laughs> they would ask me all these questions, and I would act like I didn't know the answers. I was embarrassed. I love Sunday school! Some people are just so scared with how happy I am. <laughs> I couldn't get the words out. I'd see the need, but not be able to say anything. I just froze. That's when I heard about a new study being done. My pastor? I love my pastor. I love my church! <laughs> he told me about penicillin. My pastor gives me drugs. Help me. My mom says it's something to make me smarter and calm her down better. I don't think it works. Jesus saved me, and I just can't hide it! It's helped me witness more. That's for sure! Oh, dear. Have trouble witnessing. Talking to your friend. You're not alone. We know it's hard to share the best thing that's ever happened to you with others. That's why we at the Center for Bolder Christians Research, or CBCR, have invented Witnessillin. Witnessillin works against fear and travels directly into your brain's spirituality excitement compartment and heightens the internal experience so that it's relatively impossible to keep it all in. It literally disables that little area that makes you feel embarrassed about your faith. I really don't know how I would have began witnessing without it. It changed my life. It kicked me out of school. Do you know Jesus? What? You're probably going hell. I'm just saying. I've become very, very, very forward since I began treatment. <laughs> I love it! Witnessillin may not be for everyone. If you are a raised Pentecostal, it is not recommended that you take Witnessillin. Do not mix this drug with other CBCR prescriptions, such as False Hopitin and Good Person Isil. The side effects are too numerous to mention with our budget for this commercial, but involve similar symptoms to those of a Tourette's patient. Feel good about yourself knowing that you're witnessing to your full potential. Consult your pastor to see if witnessillin is right for you. You don't have to hide in the shadows. There is help. I'm not crazy. I just love Jesus so much! You're crazy. Witnessillin, because the truth needs to get out there. Hey Amen. We'll have the kids dismissed for Peggy. Amen. Do you feel like you've been cured? <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, we have been talking about, uh, I'm going to put this down just a little bit. Uh, we have been talking in recent uh, days about uh, witnessing. Uh, we started a series last week uh, entitled Winning the Lost. How many of you ever used to uh, remember seeing a TV show they had on called Lost? Uh, you know, it, the little, um, I didn't, I never really watched it, but it was about basically people being stuck, lost, and trying to find their way. How many know we have people today that are lost and they are really trying to find their way? And you have all the answers bottled up inside of you for people. Not only for yourself, 
but you have the answers for others because Christ abide in you. And unless you open your mouth and begin to share the love of God. See, there's power in when you talk about Jesus. Let me tell you something. There's a boldness that will come over your life. Uh, there's a blessing that comes over your life when you decide, you know what? I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to do something radical. You know, for weeks I've been watching this person behind the cash register and I've been thinking perhaps now I, I, should, I should share the love of God. I, I should witness. I should say something. And then how many know that the enemy always come and tells you? Because I know Jesus is not going to tell you not to talk about his goodness. But the enemy is always going to say, keep your mouth shut. Don't say nothing. You're going to get embarrassed. They're not going to receive you. Nobody ever, anybody ever thought like that. I mean, you know, you know like, don't say anything. So we're going to be talking about it. We're going to continue this morning. Last week we talked about how Jesus is a friend of sinners. And we talked about how last week we made, possibly made some folks uncomfortable because the purpose of this message is to break the stereotypes but also to provoke you to think, to think about witnessing as it relates to how Jesus did it. And in order to do that, we have to come outside of our box in, in some of the ways that we have uh, been taught as it relates to sharing our gospel. And so if you didn't get that CD or that you didn't hear that message, uh, you can visit us online. Uh, we have all our sermons online. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about in the pursuit of the loss, the pursuit of the loss. All of us know somebody or someone, and we was kind of talking about that this morning, uh, that, that is lost. How do I, how do I reach that individual? How do I help that person to see all the blessing of knowing Jesus, the Savior? We're going to talk about this morning, how to pursue the loss. Let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. Father, we adore you this morning because, Lord, we know that you are the answer to every problem. Father, I thank you this morning that you're going to touch people, Lord, and, and we're going to see you in a whole new way. Lord, we're going to be those, Father, that's going to seek the loss. And we're going to do it, Father God, as you have instructed us to do it from the word. I pray you will speak to every heart this morning as I preach that they will hear none of me and all of you. Take my mouth, take my lips, take my heart, Holy Spirit. Use me. Use me. I'm just your servant. And speak directly to your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 7, and we'll read verses 7 through 8. I believe it will be posted on the screen as well. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. We have all been taught in our faith to some extent, that when you're believing God for something, that simply just asking God for something, and as important as that is, is not just enough. I'll give you an example. If you say, Lord, I'm believing you for a job. Now, how many know you probably should go and you should pray, but you should probably go pick up the warning ads. You need to start searching. Get on the Internet. Google a job. 
You see, if you believe in God for a mate, then you probably need to be doing something to reach that destination. If you believe in God for whatever it is you believe in God for, we have all been taught that you, you, have, to, you have to take possession. So in this particular passage of scripture, I like it because it says, it's, it's, it's an acronym as well, ASK, A stands for ASK, uh, K stands for knock. Uh, S stands for seek and K stands for knock. So Jesus put it in context. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I mean, know that you can't expect to get anything from God if you're not also seeking and knocking. Seeking has to do with an all out search. This means, how many know this? There's some, there's sometimes when you have to seek the will of God. Oftentimes you have to seek the will of God. All the time you have to seek the will of God. You can pray and say, Lord, show me this and show me that. But then there's sometimes you look, you got to sit there. You got to read. You got to talk to some people. You got to go. Sh- you got to go uh, shake some doors, you know, because, you know, it, it's more than just saying, Lord, do this and do that for me. But God wants us to be engaged in the process. And this principle is no more true as it relates to winning the loss. How many of you have ever thought of it this way? I mean, we know to pray and ask God for certain things and we pursue, uh, you know, our livelihood. We pursue our jobs. We pursue our, you know, uh, our, our resources. And that's all good. God wants us to do that. But how many of us have really pursued the loss? I mean, you, I mean, you pray and say, Lord, save my brother. Lord, save my sister. Lord, save my husband. Lord, save this. How many of you have not only prayed it, but you also pursued the loss? See, there's one thing to ask God. There's a time to pray. Don't get me wrong. Because somebody may be thinking, well, pastor's saying that. No, no, prayer is where it starts. If you remember back in the Old Testament, uh, uh, it was Joshua that was leading the people to the land of promise. And Achan had committed a sin. He had took stuff that he, that he wasn't supposed to take. And so the whole move of God was stopped, was hindered because of one man's sin. And, and Joshua began to get on his face. And they got routed by their enemies. And Joshua gets on his face. And he said, God, what's up? How come our enemies defeated us? And God says, and, and he's there praying. God said, get up. There's some sin in the camp. There's something that needs to be dealt with. Get up and go handle that because here's what the issue is. And so there's a time to pray and there's a time to ask God. But but then we need to be seeking for opportunity. We need to be knocking on some doors. We need to be actively involved in the process of making things happen. You ever heard the phrase? There's, you know, I used to talk about this concept called the spiritual burglar. That's when you try to force something to happen before it's time, before God is ready for it. Now, we're not we don't want to be spiritual burglars, but we want to be in sync with God. But anybody that ever did anything great for God, how many know they got up and they did something? I don't care if you build an organization. You had to you had to you had to do some work in order to build it. If you want to get a college degree, you got to get online or whatever you do. And you got to study. You got to read. If we're going to win the loss, then there's some things that you and I must do other than just say, Lord, save them. Lord, bring them here. Because everything in my Bible, as I read, 
It usually don't happen that way. And herein where we got to, we're going to talk, can, can we talk this morning? See, we got to get serious about our faith and, and understand what it is that's really, really important to God. Because here's the, here's the key. When you latch on to what's really important to God, God take care of what's important to you. It's when you die to yourself that the life of Christ, your problem seems to be taken care of because now you have your emphasis in the right place. Are you with me? Now, you must understand that as it relates to lost people, people who don't know Jesus, that's why you still hanging around. I told my wife the other day, I said, baby, God got work. God got to work for you to do. You ain't, you ain't going nowhere. You're here today still because if, it, listen, if there was no reason for you to still be, you know what God do? God just save you and take you out. Because how I many you can go without all the headaches that you have to deal with? God can just really make it easy. Take me out of here. You saved me. Then why am I still here? Because there's some other folks. It's not just about you anymore. Once you get saved, it ain't about you. Look at the neighbor and say, it ain't about you. See, you got to get that down in your spirit. It's not about you anymore. It's about how many people you can bring with you. So everything that God does in your life, every blessing that he does in your life, everything he does, it is for the express purpose of magnifying Jesus so that Jesus can bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you are blessed, you have a nice car. It is for the purpose and the glory of God. If you got a great job making a lot of money, it is for the glory of God. If you're sitting there looking fine, looking healthy, it is for the glory of God. Every blessing, everything in your life is for the glory of God. Everything. So that those who are outside can see and know that our God lives. And our God reigns. That's the way we need to begin to look at this thing as relates to witnessing. Because you need to understand, it's just not, you got to get there in your spirit. It ain't about me no more. It's about me dying so that Jesus can be exalted. And when Jesus is exalted in your life, oh, he'll make some stuff happen. He'll, he'll close some doors. He'll shake some stuff up in your life. He'll set some stuff in order. Why? Why, Pastor? Because he's become the king. He's become ruler. He's become the one that you are submitted to. And you understand that I am here because there are some folks out there who need to know Jesus. But the Bible says the son of man came to seek and to save. And we talked about that somewhat last week. But you know what it means when he says the son of man came to seek? That means that Jesus didn't just sit back and say, Father, will you please give me all those uh, I've been waiting for? How do you know Jesus went out and he engaged the people? I mean, no, he went out into the market. He started talking to people. He struck up conversations. He went out there and he started preaching. And when he opened his mouth, people start coming around. You take a crazy person on the street. You ever ride down D.C.? A crazy, I shouldn't say crazy person. That's not right. Y'all forgive me. Because we look at them as crazy. But even somebody who somewhat lost their mind, they stand up in the street and they start saying something, they're going to get somebody's attention. What are you talking about? Maybe God has told some of y'all just need to go stand up in the street and just begin to proclaim the goodness of God. And you're saying, no, no, not me, Pastor. You never know. But Jesus came to seek and to save. So if Jesus says that I'm going and greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father. I'm leaving here. 
But the work that I've done, then you are to carry it out. So then if Jesus was seeking and saving that which was lost, then we ought to be about seeking and saving that which was lost. But we got to seek. We got to be on the right channel with God. So then every opportunity that you have is an opportunity for somebody to come out of darkness into the light of the gospel. You know, God wants to be exalted in our situations, in our relationships. There are people on your jobs. There are are people in your neighborhoods. They're they're lost. You know, every time you hear people are struggling relationally, somebody is lost. Somebody needs the light of the gospel, and somebody needs Jesus to come in to shake up some stuff. People are lost. So then I need to be seeking. And, you know, when I'm seeking stuff, you know, I'm a little bit preoccupied, right? You know, when you're really seeking, how many you ever lost something in the house? And, boy, you just, you just look for it. It ain't in there. If you're a diver, Larry, have you seen my keys? You know, right? You know, we, we go, have you, have you seen it? Have you? I, I could have sworn. And you know what? And it seemed like when we're actively seeking stuff, nothing else really matters, does it? Because when we're really seeking stuff, all we're concerned about is finding what it is that I lost. God wants us to be preoccupied with this thing of sharing, sharing our faith. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save. Jesus said, I got a baptism and I am distressed until I accomplish it. Jesus said, look, the one thing that was on his heart, Jesus said, look, I got people, I got people, my father have given me a generation of people, and I'm telling you, I will not be content until I get every one of them. And the reason why the earth still remains, seed time and harvest still remain, and all of that is because there's some folks that are still needing to come in. Maybe they're next door. Maybe they're in your house. Maybe they're your friend. Maybe they're your sister, your brother. Maybe there's a relative. But we need to be seeking opportunities. I had for many, many years prayed for my sister. I never forget. I prayed for, and I would talk to her about Jesus. She said, I don't want to hear that. You ever know, try to talk to somebody about Jesus? I don't want to hear that. I don't have time for that. Okay. That worked for you, but. And then it was like two, three years later, out of nowhere, she just called me, and I, it was on it was on Easter, Easter Sunday. She called me that night, and she said, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. I almost passed out. Because here I have been sowing and sowing and sowing, and you know how it is, you sow and sow. Uh, you know, we're designed to see results right away. And when you've been sowing seed, and you've been talking to people, and you've been sharing love with God, and, and it seemed like they ain't hearing. And after a while, I said, I'm just, my, I just may as well give up. Uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do that. Don't ever give up because God, God is still in control and God knows how to bring that person to a place where they can receive. So effective witnesses of Christ, you're always on the lookout. You're always looking for opportunity. You're not forcing stuff down people's throat, but you're always looking for opportunities. Turn to Luke chapter 15, if you will. Uh, Luke chapter 15, and I'm glad this morning that many of you have taken the drug witness ceiling, and uh, so you're not going to, you're going to be bold when you leave this place, hallelujah, 
But look at this in uh, Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter 15, are you there? Okay. I'll read uh, verses 1 through 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. We talked about that last week. Now, that's loaded. All the tax collectors and the sinners came near to Jesus. <laughs> and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, religious people, saying, this man received sinners and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he what? Finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who needed no repentance. The first thing we see about this man is a, the, a parable. We understand a parable is, a, is usually a short story that illustrates a moral attitude or a spiritual principle. So Jesus will oftentimes use parables. Parables, you can learn a whole lot from parables. And Jesus would often use them. And here he's using the parable of a man who has, is looking for a sheep. Now, this parable is not about sheep. It is about people. And so here it is that this man loses one of his sheep. He leaves the 99 to go after one sheep. Now, one may be tempted to think, well, you know what? I got 99 here, so that one don't really make all that much of a difference. You know, we can kind of have that. I mean, it's just one. But, you know, if you were the only person that Jesus had to die for, that he would came and he would have came and died just for you. That's how much God loves you. You know, the scripture says that every hair on your head is numbered. Can you imagine how many hairs? And I've lost some, but. Don't y'all laugh now. You, you know, we all, but, but he numbers every hair that's on our head. That means that he is acutely aware of everything that concerns you and I, everything. And the principle that he's utilizing here is that, is that this man left the 99 to go after one. See, the 99 represent those who've already got it together. But I'm going to go after the one. See, sometimes we need to stop being mad at the one we need to go after and look at him from, the, from Jesus' perspective. And say, you know what? Jesus, you need to get a hold of him or her. We need to leave the 99 and we need to go after Well, just. Some folks in the world will say that. But, you know, Jesus doesn't think that way. He goes after. And, you know, the interesting thing here is that it said that he did not stop until he found. See, he was persistent. How many persistent believers are in the house this morning? I mean, pernicious, bulldog kind of faith. The kind of faith that you kind of seek your teeth into stuff and you just hold on to it until you just don't let it go. He was persistent and he kept after it. 
You need to keep after those that are lost. Because as long as there's breath in their bodies, there's an opportunity for God to bring them around. Come on. There's an opportunity. As long as he's breathing, there's an opportunity. And so we don't want to be in the place where we're all in the flesh so that when God get ready to move, he can't use us. And there's a moment that slipped by because I was in my moment angry or just consumed with my own stuff. I mean, you know, we can get so consumed that we're not consumed with what's important to Jesus. But second point, you realize how excited this man was when he found that sheep. I mean, he was excited. The scripture said that he called his neighbors. He went and told everybody. You know why he was so excited? Because it was important to him. You know, when you get excited, you know, if somebody were to come into church and people have come into this church and they've given their lives to Christ. I've seen times, watch this, when people are just so consumed with just hurry up and finish and I got dinner on the stove, that somebody could come and say, I'm giving my life and be just sit and You realize when somebody give their life to Christ, they have been snatched from eternal condemnation. This man was so excited that he went and told everybody because it was important to him. And how many know that every individual matters to God? Every person matters to God. And if it, ma- if it matters to God, it ought to matter to us. Every single person. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. Because I'm going to say some stuff that's going to make you a little bit uncomfortable again. I told you we're going to provoke you. Hallelujah. But I dare you to come and say, Pastor, it ain't scriptural. Because I'm going to load it and I'm ready for you. Hallelujah. So it speaks the importance. You you know, when you get really excited about witnessing and and seeing people get saved, you know, you have the capacity to, to inspire other people. You know, if Sister Yolanda come running and tell me, oh, such and such, I say, Jesus, say no, you know, I'll be like, wow, you, you, wow, I, I feel you. <laughs> you know, I, wow. You know, I might get encouraged a little bit. But see, it takes the heart of God to be able to, to do that. If you, if, see, when you have the heart of God, you have a passion for people. You don't want to see people die and go into a crisis eternity. You know, the closer I get to people, I got friends on my job, for an example. We all do, right? I got people that are friends of mine that I absolutely love them. And, you know, and sometimes the closer I get to them, I have this feeling. uh, I begin to become somewhat discouraged and and, and down in my spirit because I know they're not saved. And I think every time I laugh and I joke with them and I and we have a great time, I think to myself, he ain't saved. So this friendship, whatever level it is. It can't go but so far. But, you know, when we're in the kingdom together, we're going to spend eternity together. That's why I always say, if you don't like me, then you better start because you got all eternity to deal with me. And I have all eternity to deal with you. (laughs) So we're going to have to love each other. So we might as well go ahead and do it now. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 And so he was excited. I mean, no, we need to get excited about winning the loss. We need to get excited about when we see people's lives get turned around. And I love hearing stories of, of people coming out of darkness and giving their lives to Christ, surrendering their lives. It's nothing more exciting. 
He was excited about this. But look what it says in verse number seven. Look at this, because this is so powerful. I say to you, look what Jesus says, that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one, not two, three, four, five, one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. You know, every time somebody get delivered, get saved, there's a, there's a party in heaven. Who said they don't party in heaven? You know, when the Bible said there's more joy in heaven over one, uh, do you think joy just kind of sitting there saying, praise God? Praise God? I think when, you, when you're joyful about something, how many know there's some excitement about you? The Bible says there's joy over one sinner. So that means that one sinner that gets right with God, they are throwing a party in heaven. They are excited. They are rejoicing because he that was lost has now been found. And if heaven is rejoicing, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be tenaciously involved and passionately involved in reaching those for Christ. Turn with me to John chapter number four. I said to you a moment ago, we're going we're gonna to say some things this morning that's going to provoke you in your spirit in a positive way. But John chapter number four, the gospel of John. This story is about a woman of Samaria that Jesus had an encounter. How many of you believe in divine moments, divine encounters? You know, those are the kind of encounters that you know, it's a God thing. You, you met a person. There was a moment of time something happened that you could only attribute to God. That is what this situation is right here with this woman of Samaria. Samaria. And the thing you need to understand about Samaria, they were, um, they were part Jews, but they were mixed with another race. When they were during their Syrian time, or during the, when they were carried away into Babylon, some of the Jews had in, intermingled with the heathens of that day in that culture. And so the pure Jews looked at Samarians like, we don't have nothing to do with you. Outside of business, I don't want to talk to you. How many of we still have some of those issues today when people look at people through the lens of the flesh? Right? We're going to talk about that. They look at people through the lens of the flesh, not understanding that every soul matters. Now, I I want you to get that in your spirit. Every soul matters. Every soul matters. Let that sink deep down in your spirit. So let's read some of this. Did I say John chapter 4? Okay. Uh, I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to actually going to skip a little bit. But it says, therefore, starting in verse number 1, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sinkar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw. Remember, Jesus is a Jew. The Samaritans didn't have any dealings with the Jews. Now watch this. Even, and also, it was customary that you just couldn't talk 
to a, if you're a man, you just couldn't talk to a woman. You just, you just couldn't do that. So a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, I want everybody to look up here for a moment. Jesus said to this woman, give me a drink. Now, watch this. Jesus had already predetermined in his mind before he opened his mouth that he was going to revolutionize her life with the gospel. Because when he says, give me a drink, he is striking a conversation with her for the express purpose of sharing the good news. In other words, he's taking the what? Talk back to me. He's taking the initiative. Right? So much for, well, I'm going to wait till they talk to me. If they talk to me, I'll talk about Jesus. But if they don't ask me, I won't say anything. It's not the way Jesus did it. Let the, the Bible says, let the redeemer of the Lord what? Say so. So what? So, so Jesus already knew before he even sees this woman, he's already predetermined. You know what? I am going to witness. I am going to tell this woman about how she can be delivered from an immoral lifestyle. Here's a woman, you go and read it in your spare time, that had five husbands. Now you think if a person got five husbands, something is wrong somewhere. Woman got five and Jesus said, the one you got, ain't, you ain't even married to that one. So here's a lady that is in need of the gospel of Jesus. She needs to be delivered because, as I said before, that Mick Jagger song, I can't get no, but said She can't get no satisfaction because it seemed like she keep going from one to the other, one to the other. And how many, you, you know, that there's a lot of people out there that cannot get no satisfaction and you and I just need to strike up a conversation. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. But Jesus just wasn't saying give me a drink because he just wanted a drink. Jesus had an agenda. He had a mission. He says to her, give me a drink. And then the scripture says that, look at this, in verse number six. It says that Jacob well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied, watch this, being wearied from his journey. That means he was tired. He was exhausted. Set dust by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now, watch this. Now. You know, many of us, how many of you have ever just been like tired that you want what I call me time? Now, let's be realistic. What is me time? Me time meaning I ain't trying to witness. <laughs> I ain't trying to talk to nobody on the phone. I don't want, to, don't want nobody to be bothering me right now. I just want me some me time. Right? Jesus has the perfect opportunity because the scripture said he was tired. He was weary from his journey. So you would think he would just sit back and chill and say, you know what? I'm just going to have me some, some me time and just kind of relax while they're going to get some food. No, 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 no. He's always in seeking mode. His antenna always up. I, you can see the picture. that He spots this woman. He says, okay, I'm about to revolutionize this woman's life. Because he recognized the urgency of the matter. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That means that my flesh got to take a back seat. When it comes to sharing my faith, when it comes to seeing somebody get delivered from a life of destruction, 
then you know what? I want to be ready. God, whenever you ring my bell, I'm ready to go. God, I'm ready. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus saw the moment. He could have sipped back. He could have said, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to do this. You know, I, I've been on airplanes. I told you I don't like flying. And, and I've been on airplanes, and there have been times when I've thought to myself, you know, those planes, first of all, when you're sitting, you're like this. There's like no room, right? And you're always kind of hoping. I hate to say this. Y'all pray for me. But, you know, there have been, been those moments I'm like, I, I just don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to sit. And every time I make that way, I get the person that talks the most on the entire plane. And God, and I'm convinced God's getting at me. And I know I shouldn't have said it. I did. I talked it up, sister. Exactly what I did. And so, you know, you're sitting on the plane and you're like, oh, man, I just want something. And then they just start talking. And then, you know, then I get that, you know, I said, I know how to shut him up. I'm going to start talking. And the wrong spirit. So, you know, I'm going to talk talking about Jesus. They'll leave me alone. And then sometimes it don't work. And then finally I start to get spiritual. You know, like, oh, this is the, oh, now I get it. Because my antennas ain't what? Ain't always up. So then when the moment arrives, I'm in my flesh. See, you got to be seeking. We see when you're seeking, you're waiting for the right moment. Just like a tiger. When he's going after a lion, when he's going after his prey, he don't just he don't just walk up on stuff, get up in people's face. He wait for the right time. There's some folks that you know of that God want to reach, but you just got to be on the prowl. You got to be looking. You got to be seeking. How many know that sometimes you just need to shut up? Right? Sometimes you open your mouth, you make it what? Worst. <laughs> So what you do? You got to wait till the right time. See, that's a time. That's a time. There's a time and a season when God moves. And so if I'm sensitive, and, but, but I got to be, now if I ain't seeking, if my antennas are what? Down? It don't really matter. I ain't going to catch it. I'm, I'm just going to be more frustrated and I'm going to be. Because I am not in a place where I am seeking. I'm not crazy. I just, you know. That's an illustration. She like looked at her mom like. <laughs> but we got to be what? Seeking. So, so what was Jesus? Jesus, was sit, Jesus said he sit there and even in this time when he was supposed to have been chilling, relaxing. He said, oh, this, this, this woman, this is a woman that got some issues. This is a woman I can tell she need. She needs me. So I'm going to begin to explain to her the way of life. And so he took the initiative. Look at your neighbor and say, take the initiative, please. Now, now what is the first thing that she wants to start talking about? <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Look at this. Watch this. Now, he's talking about salvation. He ain't even talking. Look what she jumped. Look at verse number nine. Look what she says. Then the woman said, of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink for me? I'm a Samaritan for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They ain't really got. You ever try to witness to somebody? Tell them about love. And they want to start talking about where Adam came from or where, 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 where God came from and stuff that's totally irrelevant. Or people kind of get in the flesh and start talking about, you know, uh, you know, some people got hang up as it relates to issues of the flesh, race. I know for a fact that there are some people that have come in this church, a different race. And because now watch this, I'm just going to be look. Because if we're talking about every soul is important, 
Every soul is important to God. The Bible says, hence we know no man by the what? Flesh. All right? There's no male or female, but we're all one and the same in Christ. Right? Positionally speaking. So we're to judge no man after the what? Flesh. But you know that there are a lot of believers. Now you're talking about, God, I want to be effective. Lord, I want to be a witness to you. Lord, Lord, I want to be used. Okay. Then, uh, you know, what if, I, uh, what if God gave you the opportunity to witness to Osama bin Laden? Oh, oh I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just saying. Um, let, me, let me put it this way. Did he not die for the Africans, the Middle Easterners, South Central Americans? Um, come on, name them, all of them. Who, Asia? Huh? Come on. She said Eskimos. All right, we'll take. God died for every last one of them. Now, here's what we do. Let's be honest. I told you I'm going to talk to you this morning. We witness to people or we share the love of God with people that we feel comfortable doing it with. So here I am. Here I am yesterday, right? Now, this woman, Jesus is witness. She, he ain't supposed to be talking to her. He's broken all customs. He ain't even supposed to be talking to her. And she up here, she, you ain't, you're, 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 you ain't even supposed to be talking to me. But how do you know Jesus ain't, Jesus ain't worried about your race or your ethnicity? But we're concerned with that. We got Christians that are black that will never sit under a white pastor, vice versa. We got Christians who would never witness to somebody who is a Middle Easterner because those people are. Oh. Watch this now. So here I am, right? I'm sitting here. I'm going to share this with you because God knows how to how to God knows how to ring your bell. So you say, well, you know what? And we talked a moment ago about how every soul is important to God. Every soul is important. So here I am thinking about I'm meditating on this word and I begin to think, God, and I say, you know, uh, you know, God, every you die for everyone on the planet. And you know, the missionaries are a blessing. Thank God. You know, people, you know, people want to go to the mission fields, but you know. That's all good. I think that should be done. But, you know, when Jesus witnessed, he witnessed as he went. You see what I'm saying? There, the mission field is right here in America. We have melting pot. That's why people get upset. That some people right now are upset because we don't like all this diversity. But how do you know God is in control? And you got to be at a point where you say, Lord, if you want to use me, and here's what I said, Lord, if you want to use me, Lord, to witness to the, and I thought about that shooting in Fort Hood. Now, the first, our first thought is that guy needs to be killed and banished from the face of the earth. I feel you on that. But would it even be better if he gave his life to Jesus and God saved? Now, if you're in the flesh, you're going to say, nope, he need to burn. I'm just saying, if that's how a person thinks who don't know God, because we, we're talking about the real Christians, Christians that know the heart of God. He's not willing that any, I didn't hear him say, uh, he's, he, any means no. He's not willing that any perish, but all will come to a knowledge of the truth. So if God gives you the, oppor gives you the opportunity to witness 
to people who are unlike yourself. Sociologically, economically. I'm sitting there yesterday, I'm thinking, so I started thinking about Hispanics, because one of the things I struggle with is I can't speak any Spanish. So I'm thinking, but you know what? I need to, you know, I, I really need to, you know, if every person matters to God, sometimes what we do is we put ourselves in a, in a little box, right? Because if I'm only going to talk with Larry because I'm comfortable with Larry, but I'm never going to talk with that person or that person. That's for somebody else to do. Who said that? Where did that come from? If they cross your path, why can't you do it? So I'm sitting there, right? I got, I got my PDA. So I get emails. So I'm sitting there at a, at a park. I'm studying and preparing the sermon for the sermon. So at, at the minute, I, thought, I started thinking about Middle Easterners. I was going way out there. I started talking about, thinking about Hispanics and, and how that, even myself, I need to be more active and just engaged and stop just thinking about, you know, just being inside of a box, but think outside the box. And right when I said Hispanic, an email came through. It was a God moment. I got it right here to show you. This young pastor emailed me yesterday. Said his reason. I end up. I called him. I end up talking to him. He said that he he's about to plant a church in this area, and he's want to uh, plant a ministry to reach the Hispanic people primarily. That's his culture. So <clears throat> I get the phone. I, well. I'm sitting there, I'm reading this thing, and he's, he's beginning, I, I don't realize, because we get a lot of emails from different people saying, you know, help us, send us some money, come over here to Africa and preach, and I hear all this. But, but this one, I really felt compelled to call him back. But look, look what he said. Now, right when I thought about Hispanic, watch this, and here's what he said. He says, now, he started talking about himself. I've completed courses at the Latin America Bible Institute. So then I'm already thinking, okay, this is not, this, this is uh, a Hispanic guy, right? He said, now, we have recently begun worshiping and teaching Meetings of the Word of God at a home of a Hispanic family living in Stafford with the company of other families to promote the birth of a beautiful Christian community to help strengthen the spirituality in the midst of a growing Hispanic population that resides in the surrounding areas. Now, if I'm in the flesh, I'm, I can be like, what do they got to do me? I mean, I, I don't speak Spanish. Right? So, the Hispanic, here's what he says, the Hispanic families are composed of beautiful and hardworking people. Our culture is providing courageous and enterprising men in areas of human knowledge all around the world. Unfortunately, we do not escape the situation and the sadness, sad realities of the modern decadent life. We believe that Jesus Christ will make the, make the difference. <clears throat> now, here I am thinking, I need to reach out to everybody. And here I get an email, just happened to get an email of a guy who's a Hispanic pastor. Now, naturally, we migrate toward what we're comfortable with. I want to get you thinking, you know what? I'm going to start looking and seeking for the folk that I'm not comfortable with to see what God will do with that. So as I talk to him now, he could understand English enough that he and I had a conversation. Now, he could have very easily said, as he's talking to me, and I thought, about, I, thought about, I thought about it from this perspective. I said, well, you know what? I may not can reach. See, there's a population of people that I can never reach and you can never reach. But if I get hooked up with the right person, they could, could reach them. We can do it together. You following me? Think about it this way. Billy Graham 
who was the, whoever led Billy Graham to Jesus Christ, can you think about what kind of reward they might get? Because how many people have Billy Graham led to Christ? Can you count them? No, probably not. One person, you may, it, it may be one person that you share, the, you lay a foundation of one person and that one person can reach a whole nother generation of people. You see how this thing is? But you got to be what? You got to think outside the box. But if your mindset is like the world, well, I ain't talking to those people. You know, they ain't got nothing to do with me. No, no. When we're in the kingdom, every soul matters. Every soul. So therefore, now I'm going to start. Listen, I'm going to reach out to the Hispanic. I'm going to reach out to the Middle Easterners. Because just like I remember when 911 happened. I remember one, one day we were giving a testimony right after 911 happened. She said, I was, I was on the plane, and all of a sudden, I saw, I saw, I saw one Middle Easterner come on. I saw a second one. I saw a third one. And she said, I'm, I'm out of here. She ran, got off the planes. I ain't doing this. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be wise about stuff. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I want you to see God loves them, too. And, your, and I, my responsibility is to reach them, too. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So when you have the heart of God, there's no prejudice. You ain't stuck like this woman. Well, you know, you ain't supposed to be talking. No, 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 no. Jesus broke all of that. He broke tradition. And you got to think, you know what? I'm going to reach out to whoever I can for the cause of furthering the gospel. Finally, watch this. This woman, you can read the story. She get delivered. Now, she had five husbands, so you know she was pretty tight with the men. So after she get delivered, she run back and tell all the men of the city, whoa, you need to come here, Lord, you need to see. This man told me everything that I ever did. You need to come. You need to come see. You need to come see. Come. He told, you need to come see. She had no theological training. She just gave her testimony, what Jesus did for her. Well, I don't know how to witness. What did he do for you? Share that. Bible said a whole city came because of that one woman testified. He told me everything that I ever did. And she went, and guess, guess what? She went, the scripture says she went to the men, because see, that's the men is who she was connected with in her ungodly ways. But who better to reach them than her because that's her culture. That's what she run around. So she got their ear because they want to hear what this lady have to say because they know her. You know what I mean? And so now she can influence them and she gets them to come. And the whole city is changed because this woman decided to step outside the box and say, you know what? Come and share. All we need to do, folks, is open our mouth and talk about what Jesus did for you. And you can reach. You may say, well, I ain't never led but one. Okay, that one, who knows what happened? Who knows? Who knows whether those kids that you have in the house is not the next Billy Graham or Joyce Meyer or whoever else. Who knows? I tell my wife that all the time. Every time you feel like that being a housewife is something to look down upon, you need to think about, look at it from a spiritual perspective. You're laying something in these kids, and I'm telling you, it's going to go with them. It's going to go with them. It's going to go with them. It's going to go with them, and that thing is going to boomerang back. A blessing is going to come from that. So, Mom, you keep sowing, and you keep believing. So this woman, this woman got delivered. 
And after having an encounter with Jesus, she put him on blast. <laughs> you know when it says put Jesus on blast? Some of us, we just need to put Jesus on blast. Jesus says what? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Okay, so here's what you need to do. You got a problem in your relationships, people on your job, trying to wherever they go, lift up Jesus. Just lift him up. Everywhere you go, lift up Jesus. And guess who will do the pulling? God said, I will draw. I will draw. So I just need to lift him up. And I need to open my mouth. And I need to be seeking so when you leave this building today, you're going to go out and you're going to say, no, not just today, but I want you to live this way every day. Lord, do me a favor this week. Here's what I want everybody to do. I'm going to give you a challenge. This week, I want you to pray. Every day, say, Lord, before you leave the house, let's do it from Monday through Saturday and then come tell everybody Sunday. Say, Lord, give me an opportunity to share my faith today with somebody. Help me to see. Now, you'll be amazed how many opportunities was already there, but you just ignored it because you were just too busy doing other things. But watch this. Just pray. So, Lord, will you please give me an opportunity to share your faith? Show me, Lord, who, who it is. And, and, you know, when you're seeking, you're, you're in position now where, you know, you, 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 I'm sensitive to it. But when you ain't seeking, you, you, you just go right by it. You never see it. Now, you do that every day and then come back and say, Pat, let me tell you what happened. I shared the gospel with this person, that person, this person. But if we never open our mouths, like if Jesus just would have sat there and did nothing, then this woman, this woman got changed. She got delivered. She got saved because Jesus took the initiative to open his mouth. If he said nothing to the woman, just say, give me something to drink. Bye. See you. We wouldn't be reading about her, talking about her this morning. But because Jesus opened his mouth and took the initiative, that woman got a whole lot. Not only did she get saved, she brought in a whole bunch of other folk with her. Put Jesus on blast. Are you hearing me? Put him on blast. In your house, on your job, wherever, put him on blast. Let's pray.